Time for a Bruins postgame podcast presented by AT&T, but it's actually a Bruins trade deadline podcast. Ken Laird, DJ Bean, WEI.com's finest. He's been uh, down at TD Garden all day and just heard from Don Sweeney, the general manager. DJ, the soft rebuild in full effect, is it not today, with the acquisitions of, well, one of their own. Uh, they keep their own, the own rental of Louis Erickson, and they go out and add John Michael Lyles and also Lee Stempniak. Uh, I don't even understand fractions anymore because this is the strongest half measure ever. <laughs> I, you can't even say it's a half measure because they picked a lane. They they were legitimate buyers. You can say, oh, well, they only got they only got a couple of uh, non major difference makers. Lyles an okay top four guy. Uh, Stempniak's uh, a scorer, but they they spent second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks. That's not a ton, but that's that's enough to say that they were buyers, and that's not the path I would have taken. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I go back to Charlie Jacobs' press conference last year when he put the organization on notice, and he didn't come into the season in that preseason presser, DJ, and, and call it a, you know, got to make the playoffs, playoffs are bust, but they're not that far removed from when he sat down last year, right? I, I yeah. got I to think there's some ownership driving Don Sweeney to, in the short term, make a little run here. I absolutely agree with that, and that's why that's why a lot of the time when when we if we're critical of these moves, you almost have to catch yourself. You, you can't always say Sweeney. You can say Sweeney and Neely, or you can say the Bruins, because I don't think this is one thousand percent just Don Sweeney had this vision all by himself that this is what I must do. I must get into the playoffs because I must say that in my first year. As a general manager, I took the team to the playoffs. I don't think Sweeney, A, is dumb enough to, to let an ego get in, in the way <laughs> like that. And B, I, I think that for much of the time since he's taken over, he's wanted to, to kind of have a plan that, that he can implement. The issue is every time you think that you understand what the plan is, something gets in the way. And... Like today, you, you think, okay, fine, they're keeping Erickson. The plan is to get these young guys into the playoffs and get them some experience. But then they make these trades, and you're right. You wonder how much pressure is coming from management. And then you look at the young guys on the roster, and you say, well, I guess these young guys aren't going to play in the playoffs now because <laughs> now they have John Michael Lyles and Lee Stepniak taking their spot. Well, that, I guess that's right. I mean, the, for sure, uh, Joe Morrow's going to be out of the lineup, right? Um, yeah. You'll get all those guys. So Morrow, Colin Miller, and Zach Trotman. You would have to guess that if the playoffs start tonight, it would look something like Chara, uh, Chara, Kevin Miller, uh, Lyle Seidenberg, Krug, McQuaid. Krug is the kid of that group, and he's an adult. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the Lyles move on the on the surface. You know, if you're going to take a little bit of a playoff run, you need some depth. I, I don't mind it based on what they gave up. I think it actually, you know. Yeah I, yeah, I don't care about third and fifth rounders. Yeah, I mean, a third and a fifth, okay. I, I can sort of understand it. And, and clearly they, they had some need for some defensive help if they fancy themselves uh, to win a series or two. The, the Stepniak move, I just don't particularly get. Uh, they gave a second and a fourth. I guess uh, the fourth is this year, the second in 2017, right? Yeah, they'll have the Oilers second. So they'll have a relatively early second next year because of the Oilers, but now they won't have their own. 
Yeah, and Stepniak, uh, I'm, I'm sure he can be an upgrade on Connolly, and you get a little more depth throughout the lineup with that. Uh, who comes out of the lineup, and, and are we sure Stepniak would play up on the top line, though? That's a good question about who comes out of the lineup. I would guess that, uh, that Stepniak would slot in with Conley and, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Marchand and Bergeron. But here's why that makes that move not necessarily, first, not, not worth the second rounder. I know they also threw in a fourth, but not worth the second rounder because you're adding, you're spending a second rounder to add to a line that doesn't really need help. And it's going to sound again like, oh, he's defending Brett Conley. But what I'm saying is that line was still really good despite having Brett Conley not producing on there. So when Lee Stepniak goes on there, does the line score just as much? And maybe Brad Marchand scores three goals fewer and Lee Stempniak picks those three up? Like it is, I just don't know that that's going to make a, a massive difference on that line because of all the things that the Bruins have, the Bergeron line is the one thing they don't ever really need to worry about. Yeah. Well, let's go back to Louis for a second. We talked so much about Louis Erickson here for the, the months leading up to the deadline. Do you get a sense from Sweeney as to what they were offered and, uh, you know, do they will they still negotiate? Could they still possibly keep him for the long haul? Latest I had heard was four years and uh, the, the AAV was not high. And by that I mean I don't think it was in the high five seven five million or five million dollar range, nothing like the the five seven five million annually that I think we'll get it done. That's totally just me guessing. I, I I've thought all along that if you gave him a four or five year deal worth five and three quarters, that maybe that could potentially get it done. I, I know it hasn't approached that yet. So uh, look, they're a lot closer. Now, even if they're not close, they're a lot closer than they were at the beginning of negotiations when the Bruins were offering three years and in below $5 million range. So take that as a silver lining, but now the pressure is all on the Bruins because we saw the Dougie Hamilton situation. They're afraid of other teams getting involved and losing the player and being put in a tight spot. Well, Dougie Hamilton was an RFA, and you traded him before he got to RFA. Louis Erickson's going to be in UFA, so all 29 teams can line up and jump in without having to worry about losing any sorts of draft picks. So uh, if, if the Bruins are serious about signing Louis Erickson, they're, they're going to have to get cracking. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe the fact that the prices weren't as high on Louis at the deadline indicate the market is a little softer on him. Maybe the prices... Here's the thing. If, if the prices weren't high at the deadline for Louis Erickson, then why did Lee Stempniak cost so much? <laughs> well, <know>? that's a fair point. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that, I, and I guess yeah. I mean, I I, I wonder if like, I just wonder if teams. Uh, I don't. The, the way I wrote it was, if they just if they only want to get involved with the Bruins, if they're going to be able to fleece them, because they, maybe they think, oh, first year GM, we can take advantage of this guy. But I would think that when you, in that case, Sweeney is very bright to not move Erickson for for too little. But I'm I'm just so surprised that if there were. You would think other teams that would pay a similar price for Stempniak that the Bruins paid what they did, then why wouldn't those teams also be in on Louis Erickson for 
they hit first and a third instead of a second and a fourth for a, a pretty far inferior player. Well, we did have that report from uh, one of the national guys that firsts weren't going to go this year. We had a couple go, but maybe in the end there was some truth to that. Like the second tier guys, teams are willing to give up seconds, especially future seconds down the road. They just weren't going to budge on first round picks in this year's draft. I, I mean, I'm, I'm reaching, uh, admittedly, but that's the only thing I can think of. And yeah, the, the other thing yeah, is, but he, I mean, even if you could have gotten multiple seconds, I think that that's. Multiple seconds can be better than, than a first, which is a, a point I've I've kind of banged the drum on for, yeah. for a long time. I don't really believe in, oh, you, you got a, the 26th overall pick, great. That's totally going to replace this really good player that you traded away. Yeah, I just think they're scratched to get to that point, so I'd rather have a couple than, than one. But, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a fair point, and as you pointed out in your piece, I mean, these are assets that you can flip for defenseman with control you know you, you're giving up louis as a chip and you're giving up seconds that you know you could have as chips in the offseason yeah and look they're still in just as good a shape as anybody as far as picks go if they want to make a move like that they just wouldn't have their own picks to actually select players with after and as i said in the piece you don't want to go from a team that that spends way too many picks to be in the team that doesn't spend any picks because we still don't know if the Borrell and Senechin and uh, and DeBrusque and, and Lazon, despite all indications being that the Lazon's going to be a player, and uh, Brandon Carlo and JFK, you spend so many picks on those guys, you still don't know <laughs> what they're going to be. They're, they're still children. So you don't want to go from the team that's spending all the picks to the one that's not spending any, because if those guys don't pan out, then, you're, then you, you end up with nothing. So... Uh, Look, I, I think that we're all going to overreact to the fact, oh, they traded a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick. That realistically doesn't get in the way of them making a big splash in the summer. But as always, the question will be, can they actually execute that big splash? Can they? Will they be able to flip one or two of their first-round picks this year or a future first-round pick for a good young defenseman? Because uh, I was just talking with Kevin Paul DuPont on Twitter about this. The UFA class is not good on D, and we've discussed this on Sunday Skate, actually. So you're, you're going to need to trade for a defenseman if you're going to improve that back end. And that, to me, should always be the name of the game, getting better on defense for the Bruins. And the trades they made today didn't help that in that it took away some chips to potentially make that move, but also that it doesn't let you develop Joe Morrow and Colin Miller and Zach Trott. And that's, that's the, the bigger thing in the, the here and now as it relates to the straight deadline. Yeah, and if you look at the bigger picture, they gave up two seconds for Brett Connolly in this soft rebuild, so that's three seconds in the last you know year and a half here. I, that goes back before Sweeney, but still. that for plus... right wings for Patrice Bergeron's line, which <laughs> you could put my mom on that line right. for free. Right. And, right. and, I mean, speaking of free, you, you could have had Lee Stepniak for free, and uh, and that didn't oh. happen. Boy, that, that is frustrating. Which I, by the way, I, I, again, we're going to get on Sweeney now. I, I always go from sounding like I'm, I'm rallying against Sweeney to, to defending Sweeney, but we're going to get on Sweeney now for all oh, you didn't sign Lee Stempniak in the offseason. What are you, crazy? And, I mean, I, I would have signed him rather than trading for Zach Ronaldo, but at the time in September when he was still out there, I figured you know, they've got so many wings. Just let, let all these kids play and figure out which ones are good. So I, I wasn't banging down the door for them to sign Lee Stempniak, and I don't really think anybody was, so... Although they end up with a ton of egg on their face now, I don't think that in hindsight, or I'm sorry, that at the time, anyone was really clamoring for that move to be made. One thing I think will be fascinating, DJ, I mean, basically, as you pointed out at the start of this, the, the ownership and 
uh, you know, the GM, Don Sweeney, basically said to the team, hey, we believe in you. We're going to add some pieces here. So tomorrow when you talk to the guys on game day skate and they're getting ready for 10 of the next 12 against playoff teams, uh, you know, are they excited? Are they uh, emboldened by this? Do they, do they actually start to look like a legitimate uh, Eastern Conference threat on the ice? I am fascinated in the short term. And although this is a championship town, and I think there's a pretty smart fan base that you know they're not fooled by what they see. If you're a Bruins fan, it actually makes for a pretty interesting couple of months. Oh, that, that's I was gonna I was actually gonna make that my column today, but I was like, you know what? I better wait a day because people will kill me for that <laughs> <laughs> if they make these moves. And I'm like, get excited, Bruins fan! Right. But I, I think that in in sort of like a fuck it kind of way, like <laughs> Bruins fans should really embrace this team because a who knows when they're going to be uh, a playoff team again, given that teams are going to be better next year. The Canadians, the, the Sabres, the, the Senators, like teams, it's going to be harder to win with an okay team. So who knows? This, maybe, maybe these moves blow up in their face and it ends up being a little while before they get back to the playoffs. So embrace that and be just also like, I don't want to say that it's, it's comical, but this is just so not what anybody expected. Like, being buyers, going out and getting the 35-year-old defensemen, acting like they're cup contenders. Because as I wrote today, Neely and Sweeney either think that these young kids that they have suck or that the, the Bruins are legitimate cup contenders. Those are the only two reasons why they would make this move. It's, it's not because the prices were low, because Lee Stemniak cost them a second and a fourth round pick. It was, so that they went out and they paid the premium because they thought, again, either the guys they have are bozos or that there's this open road to the Stanley Cup final. So I think that Bruins fans should almost ironically embrace that because, who knows, maybe it's two or three years before <laughs> before they end up uh, deciding the standings again. And by the way, somebody should check on Vetrano and Griffith in Providence to make sure they're not on suicide watch. They look like they're trapped down there for well, the rest of the year, too. I think a lot of too. fans are. Look, look, this is another area where I'll... I'll take Sweeney's side on that. The whole, the idea of, oh, just trade Erickson and put uh, Vetrano on the second line, and he scores a lot in the AHL, so it won't be any loss, and you'll have this, this first-round pick in your back pocket from the Erickson trade. Like, no. You, you trade Erickson and you become bad, and you go through growing pains of Vetrano, who's a very good prospect, but a very not someone who's ready to be thrown into a playoff run and uh, someone who can put a push for a playoff spot on their back. That's the most unreal expectations you could put on a first-year pro ever. So that wasn't going to happen. So I'll defend Sweeney there as well. Okay. Just to wrap this up, you said on Sunday skate, Dougie Hamilton would not get through town unnoticed, but I think he actually might. This actually may be enough of a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody may write about Dougie. When we found out today when uh, the Flames availability will be, all of us were kind of like, oh, uh, we got to go talk to <laughs> We have to do that tomorrow after all of this. <laughs> so, but, you know, I'm going to be there with bells on. I, I always liked Dougie. He was a uh, – he, he's his own guy for sure, but uh, I, I think he's a, he's a good kid and had a very, very strange, strange uh, time and end with the Bruins, of course, so – I'm sure that uh, he'll be plenty excited to talk about that tomorrow. Is there a trophy for winning the Atlantic Division? If they win two rounds, can they hoist a trophy of some kind? Because I'm all in for that, baby. As you know, I, I am the sole member of the Keep Louie plan. So um, call me a shill for the Bruins you know if you what? want. I'll, I will give you that. You've, I mean, 
my I was a member of the the sign Louis right now clan because maybe I'm I'm used to, to watching a GM who signs all his players before he gets to before they get to their walk years. But um yeah, I, w- I was open to them keeping Erickson as long as the prices were down, and it seems that's what it was. So big congrats to you because uh, you got what you wanted. But <laughs> Well, yeah, say that now. I'll get again, ripped. Though, Sweeney and I will be trashed after the year. Right. No, but it, it's, it only worked halfway, though. If they had just kept Erickson and not made any more moves, I would have said this is sneaky smart by the Bruins, but... They made more moves and they became buyers and now they're an old team and it's they just did a little too much. <laughs> That's DJ Bean. I'm Ken Laird. We'll have, uh, of course, another postgame podcast coming up after Calgary this week. Here we go. The stretch run. The buying Bruins with 19 games left. We're brought to you by AT&T.